This is Hope FM. Joining us as our special guest today is Juanita Hegley. Good morning, Juanita. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Uh, Juanita, um, this week we're t- uh, talking about, certainly in the breakfast show, that it's Loneliness Awareness Week. So I must ask you the question, have you ever felt lonely? Unfortunately, yes, I have, even though I know that God is always with me. As a human first, Christian second, many times I've felt lonely. Uh, well, obviously you mentioned there that God is with you. So can you remind us how you came to faith in the first place? Most certainly. By the grace of God, my mother, who was Jamaican by birth, she actually brought me up in church. As the Bible says, train your children in the way they should go, and when they get older, they will not depart. So although she was not a Christian, as a Jamaican, she was traditional and she grew me up in church. And I'm really grateful for that foundation of starting life because when I was 15, I gave my life and was baptized by full immersion. And I've never looked back since. I've been very blessed to have been in a church where the community of people really provided me with the support I needed as a young person. I joined the praise team. I joined the choir. I was at prayer and fasting. And then a few years later, I began to give my tithes to the Lord. But for me, I would definitely say having that foundation was really crucial. At the time when I was growing up, we didn't have mobile phones. We didn't have those kind of distractions. And so, of course, being at church and fellowshipping with others was really something that we as young people enjoyed because we get to have that human contact. But now with all the distractions from many Christians and non-Christians alike, being in the place of God, being in the sanctuary is second place to being on social media, which is a sad reality. So were you brought then up were brought up in Jamaica? Unfortunately no. I grew up I was born in London, so I'm a British citizen, born and bred, born in London and grew up in Tottenham. So my first few years were in Tottenham, North London, and then moved to Enfield. So never lived in Jamaica, unfortunately. But my whole life has been spent here in cold UK, cold England. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be cold this week, Juanita. We're going to hit thirty degrees. <laughs> That makes me excited because I've been traveling for the last two years. And so I'm here now and I'm shivering to death in the house because it's so cold compared to some of the beautiful countries the Lord has graced and blessed me to travel to. Yes. Well, of course, your career path took you into being a lawyer. How did that happen? It's embarrassing to say that my story started when I was in school in Switzerland reading a book by Patricia Cronwell called Point of Origin. So I'm in the school library in Switzerland where I trained to be a chef and worked for United Nations. And at the end of the book, Point of Origin, I decided I wanted to be a crime scene investigator. Now, I was a huge CSI Vegas fan, which was a TV program back when I was growing up. And after reading the book, I wanted to become like Gil Grissom, the character whose real name is William Peterson, minus the change of gender. And so I remember telling my mom, I want to be a CSI. And she encouraged me, you should complete your studies first. I didn't want to. I wanted to quit after a year. But fortunately, I listened to her. And I'm so glad I did because I had a completed diploma, not an incomplete diploma. Returned to the UK, went to university and did a year of mathematics and science. Whilst I had been in secondary school, I hadn't got very good grades. I was in the foundation tier. And so consequently, I had to do an access level at university. I did my first year and I got an A in math, which was really impressive, considering I came out with DNAs. And then I decided, you know what, crime scene investigation is pretty boring. I want to be a police officer. So I studied police studies for a year, and I found that boring. But I really enjoyed criminal law, so I said, why did I study law? Which was incredibly boring. And so here I am, (laughs) 
seven years later, qualified pro bono, which means unpaid New York lawyer, and I find it boring. I'm a public speaker on the side, and I prefer to do that. I'm a person who has a lot of dreams, visions, and ideas, but wherever the Lord sends me, I'm going to follow. And so if he wants me to study law, to give me opportunities to educate people on trafficking, I'm going to do so. Well, uh, obviously, the, the law has played an important part in your life, even if at sometimes it wasn't quite what you wanted to do. So you must have some affinity to that. For me, I would say that my dad's a lawyer, so it could have been genetics. I didn't grow up with him, unfortunately, but I think it's in the genes. In fact, my stepsister also is qualified in law. And so for me, I would say that even though we didn't live together, he had an outside influence. He would tell me, be a lawyer. I didn't want to. I became one. And if I'm honest, although I find it pretty boring and I'm an unpaid lawyer, I believe I could do so much with it. There are so many people around the world who need legal advice. Every country has different law. But irrespective of that, I have a legal head, a legal mindset, and any advice and support I can give someone in need, I'm willing to do so. And I believe that God gives us skills, talents. He puts us in positions so that we can grow and that we can be a blessing, not just to ourselves, but to others. And so I feel that there is a plan and a purpose for me to be an attorney. I don't know what it is since I'm unpaid, but I know God has plans to prosper and not to harm me. Um, well, we heard on the news this morning, of course, that the UK might be uh, taken to court because of us breaking international law. So we're never far from legal issues one way or another uh, uh, in life. Uh, but you mentioned there uh, that you're a speaker. I, I gather that you, you did something called a TED Talk. What's a TED Talk for people who don't know? Certainly. And in fact, what I did on Monday, the 6th of June, was not a TED Talk. It was a TEDx Talk. There's a big difference. And oh. TEDx is an independent talk. And a TED Talk is run by TED, the company. And so by God's grace, after two years of applications, I was selected about six or so weeks ago at Northumbria University in Newcastle. And this was an opportunity for myself and eight other people from the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. to share on a topic the theme was stand out, and my topic was what is your currency, which is a new term that I'm using. Instead of the word vulnerability, I use the term currency, which is something I talk about in my book on trafficking. And so for me, it was a really an amazing opportunity after having been a speaker, pro bono, unpaid, surviving on donations for six years, to have this platform. That's not the best part of the story. Not you know, like under a bushel, but being a city on NL, I had the opportunity by God's grace to mention the story of Adam and Eve, to talk about First Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. And the best part is I got to uplift the name of Jesus in my presentation and speak about being a born-again Christian. When I was selected about six weeks ago on a Tuesday, I had already promised God when I'm selected, I would do a fast of Thanksgiving. The day after, I had plans to go to afternoon tea. So on Thursday, despite delayed, I had a time of fasting and praying. But that day, God had other ideas. And so he woke me up around 11, and I typed my entire speech for TEDx in an hour and a half. By 4 o'clock, I dumped my edits. And then on the 6th of June, I delivered. And it was such an amazing experience. As I've mentioned many times, I'm pro bono. I'm kind of a Luke 10 missionary, traveling the world and dusting off my feet, living with strangers. But I believe, as the Bible says, ask and it shall be given. And I wanted to perform my speech. I didn't want to just deliver. 
And so the Lord granted my heart's desire. As it says, delight yourself in him. He will grant your heart's desire. The event was on the sixth month and the sixth day. I had six coaches, and I was the sixth speaker. And so I had three American and three British coaches, acting coaches and speaking coaches. And by the grace of God, it was almost like a jigsaw puzzle. Every one of them gave me different tweaks, different critiques. And at the end, I delivered. And I believe that all glory really went to God. And of course, there's many best parts to every story I have. And at the end of my presentation, a young lady came up to me and told me how she loved the fact I lifted up the name of Jesus. And that was huge for me. And then one of the co-speakers told me about how it was a one-woman play. And that was amazing to hear because I wanted to perform. And I really felt that with God, all things are possible. He opened the door for me to be there. He opened the door for six coaches. And he opened the door for me to deliver on the 6th of June. So for me, it's a really exciting opportunity to share my knowledge, my expertise on trafficking in 18 minutes. And this is something that, Lord willing, will go around the world and will hopefully touch hearts, minds, and lives and not just educate and empower and trafficking, but get people to know that I have the spirit and boldness to talk about faith in an 18-minute talk, and they likewise can have the same. So for those who've never heard of it, it's pretty much like Britain's Got Talent for speakers. It's a really massive platform. Anyone who speaks on TEDx or TED Talk, you've pretty much made it in the speaking world, and the door should hopefully start open for you to speak internationally and for pay. Well, you certainly got plenty of subjects in your talk to keep people fascinated. (laughs) (laughs) But but you like music as well. And we're going to have your first piece of music, which was He Set Me Free. So why this? Well, actually, when I was in St. Vincent, which is known for the film The Pirates of the Caribbean, I was there from August two years ago. And after 11 months of being in the country, on June 17 of last year, they actually came to my home, arrested me, and threw me in prison. They accused me of being a trafficker. They said that I had been investigating politicians and human trafficking, which all wasn't true. What really had happened, I had stayed there for nine months. Extension had been denied. I requested another extension, applied for residency, and they expeditiously denied that to put me in a position with which they would try to illegally deport me. They tried to deport me on the 22nd of June last year, but when we got to the airport, we were four minutes late, which is almost like the story of Lazarus when Jesus was four days late. And my luggage was six pounds overweight, so I took everything out so slowly, the plane left without me. When I returned back to the prison on June 22nd, I sang the song, He Set Me Free One Day. God didn't set me free, but two days later he did. And exactly a week after, I was released from prison without bail, which was a complete miracle. I was reading Acts 16, 35 to 37. I read the Bible chronologically morning and night. And as I read that, the story was of Peter in prison. And it said, of Paul in prison, it says that the keeper of the prison said, let Paul and Silas go. And that's exactly what happened to me. When I read that a week after being released, that's exactly what happened. The same attorney general, who was the reason I was put in prison in the first place, despite having two lawyers and the fact that the court proceedings should have been paused, They were not. And so when I read that scripture, the keeper of the prison said, let Paul and Silas go. You could literally have written my name in there. The attorney general said, let Miss Headley go. And the Lord released me. And when I was in that prison from the 22nd to the 24th, I just kept singing. He set me free one day. And the Lord eventually did. They tried to illegally deport me. They failed. They have tried to destroy my reputation. They failed. And as it says in Genesis 50-20, what the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. The entire time I was in the prison, all I did is worship and sing. 
one of the hardest experiences of my life. I've lost my short-term memory as a result. I stole $2,000 of my money. But the Lord wants us to forgive. He wants us to let things go. Vengeance belongs to Him. And every experience we have will shape us, grow us, develop us. And so whilst I was in there, I worshipped, and I worshipped, and the Lord set me free. So that's why I've chosen this song. Brilliant. Let's hear the song, He Set Me Free. Hope FM. Yeah, that's He Set Me Free featuring Harold Goodman and also Mark Trammell as well and Bill and Gloria Gaither too. Ian. Uh, well, we're delighted for the song. Uh, the experience behind it, Juanita, was quite dramatic, to say the least. So in that period of time, how did you feel? Because you must have felt, you know, everything was going wrong all at once. Most definitely. And truth be told, when I first got into the prison on the 17th of June last year, I sat down, I had my Bible in one hand, and I had a vegan book, How Not to Die, 500 pages in the other hand. And I sat there, and I'm trying to read about turmeric and the health benefits, but the words kept swimming on the page. And then I wanted to cry. And truth be told, I sat there, and not one tear was shed the entire experience. That's as a result of trauma and abuse and being a person who's not very in touch with feelings. But when I sat there, I was so emotional, but I just I couldn't cry. I wanted to, but I couldn't. However, I said, you know what? Let me sing hymns. Two weeks before being in prison, I was at a new church, and they spoke about Paul and Silas being in prison, Daniel in the lion's den. They even used the term, this is not your citizenship, this is not your residency. And I was amen in so loud because that sermon was for me. I believe the Lord equips us. He doesn't just throw you in the deep end until you know how to swim. And so whilst I was in the prison, trying to read on turmeric, sailing, wanting to cry, holding back the tears, I said to myself, let me sing. And fortunately, because I grew up in church, I had hymns. All the songs that I know from, let's say, teenage to now, contemporary Christian songs, I forgot every word of the song. But because I'd grown up in church and had the foundation, I had hymns. And so I sang the entire time. But it was very hard. For me, I cannot imagine what it's like being in solitary confinement for decades for a crime you did not commit. I have no clue how these people get through that, how they come out stronger people. I feel I went in... And I lost a lot, lost my money, I lost my memory. I feel I lost so much. But I know that with God, he will work all things together for my good. And I will say, being there for me was an experience where I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I'm a Christian. I knew that I had the Holy Spirit. If I didn't have the Holy Spirit, I would not be able to sing. I would not be able to worship. I would sit there and cry or maybe use profanity. It wasn't like that at all. And on Sunday, I remember that there was a church service nearby, and they were singing hymns, and I happened to know the songs, so I got to sing along. I had an Adventist friend, um, Dinsmore Kerr, and he would visit me every day. He would travel from far, and so he would give me his church hymn book, and I would sing the songs that I knew, and I would just worship. But it was difficult, and I'll tell you that there were times when I wanted to leave, when I wanted to just say, excuse me, sir, excuse me, ma'am, I just want to go home. I just want to leave. But I'm so glad that I didn't, because the testament at the end, 
was that I was released without bail. The testament at the end, they tried to deport me and fail. The testament at the end, I won my court case with everything against me. And I would say that that experience has given me a stronger and bigger passion for prison ministry. In addition to that, the Bible says some of us will go to prison for our faith. And so if someone asked me today, whether in the UK, the US, do you believe in God? And if you believe in God and Jesus, you will go to prison. I'll say, sure, I'm ready for that. For me, I could have left the country at any point and said, you know what, I'm done with this. But I stuck it out. But honestly, those eight days, sleeping on an upside-down table, were the hardest of my entire life. But God was with me. And he even blessed me that I was able to sneak in a secret phone. I've got about nine phones. I was able to sneak in a phone and send messages to my friend. The police wouldn't let me call my lawyer. I was literally in solitary confinement for eight days. But I had the Holy Spirit and I had a secret phone because God was with me. And then when they took my pen so I couldn't write my story, the Lord provided a secret pen. And God was showing up in so many different ways. But I would never want to go to that again. But for my faith, I am willing to go to prison for my faith. Without a doubt, I am willing. Well, the story is a great story of God's faithfulness. So you, you were a lawyer, uh, you've been doing uh, speaking engagements, uh, but also uh, you wrote a book as well. So tell us about the book. My book is called Can You Keep a Secret, which is three years old, but was released on Amazon this year, January 11th, which is Human Trafficking Day. By the grace of God, around three and a half years ago, the Lord laid it on my heart. I was doing a panel presentation and the individual beside me asked me to tell my, can you tell a secret? And I corrected it and said, it's called, can you keep a secret? And from that day forward, I vowed every single opportunity I get, I need to share this message. And prior to that, people would ask me, have you got something written down? Do you have a brochure? Do you have information we can take away? As I've said many a time, pro bono lawyer. So I wasn't in a position to be printing documentation, paperwork, printing flyers. It's going to cost me. But I said, you know what, let me write a book. And so a month after doing that first panel where the guy asked me to talk about, can you tell a secret, I wrote my book. And it was a blessing because literally the Lord would just give me the words. He would just give me the words. I would just write. And within a month, my book is close to 370 pages. The story is about me personally having survived childhood sexual abuse from the age of four to 10 by my mom's first husband. Beyond being autobiographical, it is also an inspirational self-help book where I share with readers about how to identify if someone's been abused, how to identify whether a person is a perpetrator. Because perpetrators are not just stepfathers, fathers, and mothers, but we have children sexually abusing one another, making child porn, sending, distributing. My desire is to educate and empower people. When I've traveled the world over these 10 years, seven as a lawyer, six as a speaker, working for free, it is not to raise awareness. It's to educate and empower and so my book called Can You Keep a Secret? The title is coming out of myself asking family members that question, can you keep a secret? And their response being, it depends. And because of that response, me not disclosing that my stepfather was coming into my bed and abusing me on an almost nightly basis. My mother had no idea. She was on the phone when it went on. She was clueless. And when she eventually found out, it had stopped and she kicked him out. The fact is, I'm not the first person to go through this, and I'm the last person. But I believe that the experiences I have, I can use them to educate others so that they can protect and safeguard. Oh, God forbid they've been abused. They can get the help that they need, the therapy, the counseling, and the support. So they can have a healthy and whole life. Unfortunately, because of what I went through, it affected me. I suffer from insomnia. 
I have anger issues, low self-esteem, insecurity. I used to wet the bed as a child. And the reality is there's so many people around the world who still have effects of what took place 10, 20, 30 years ago. I believe that God is a healer, but of course, sometimes God will use a doctor, a physician. And so it's getting people to understand that when you experience something as traumatic as abuse, that will affect you, it will change you. All things work together so good. The Lord can use your story and testimony to be a blessing to others, but that doesn't mean to say we need to continue to be broken pieces. We can indeed receive the healing that comes from Him, the source, and often through people, such as the therapist. And the Lord is blessing the gift of writing because, in fact, since my TEDx on the 6th of June, the Lord laid it on my heart to write a book called Tea Diaries. Instead of TEDx Diaries, because of copyright, Tea Diaries. And within five days, I've written a book that's close to 300 pages. That's definitely an anointing of the Holy Spirit, and I'm looking forward to it coming out. And, of course, many best parts to the story. But with that book, it's my chance to testify. Can you keep a secret? It's a book written by a lawyer about abuse and trafficking. And I snuck in scriptures, and there's a chapter on salvation at the end. Of course, I'm a Christian. But with Tea Diaries, the entire book is Christian. And I'm so excited because my faith needs to be out there. The Bible says go forth and make disciples. Every opportunity that we have as believers, we need to be sharing the gospel. And we're in the last days, so I can't write a book about TEDx and being a great speaker. I'm not lift up the name of Jesus. And as with Can You Keep a Secret, in Tea Diaries, the longest chapters on salvation, it's about 45 pages. I've never written a book in five days, but I did. And what's amazing is that the Lord, I believe, is going to use tea diaries to bring people to himself. It is not about being abused as a child. It's not about being a speaker. It is all about lifting up the name of Jesus. And that's what these two books do. Great. Well, thank you, Anita, for joining us today and for telling your story and for telling us about your books as well. And we'll mention those again later on. This is Hope FM.